Now, without further ado, welcome to Let the Sawdust Fly with Pete Woods. And Pete has a guest with him today, Mike Severson, who is the co-owner of Great Lakes Renewable Energy in Hayward, Wisconsin. Peter, welcome. Well, thanks, Brad, Kenny. Thanks for having us back, folks. It's nice to be back again to talk about the timber industry and, and what's going on. At the end of the show, Brad, I just want to do a little news bleep of what Scott is doing out in Washington, but I want to save that to the end. It's a little political, okay. and I don't want to talk politics during the segment. Sure. But I'm okay. not going to talk politics. I'm just going to say what he's doing. But anyway, folks, uh, uh, during the show today, if, uh, if, if let, let me back up a hair. Remember back in January, I had Bruce Vincent on, the logger from Montana, and uh, then on in, out in Montana, the western states, heavy, heavy Democrat, not Democrat, sorry about that, heavy, heavy government control force. 95% of the timber out there is government control. And they have, look what's happening out there. Then you go to February, we had Bill Jones on. And Bill's from Alabama, and there it's 95% is privately owned. Yes. And look what happens there. So there's two different worlds running there at the same time. And out west and, and out southeast, one is where they manage the forest and one is unmanaged. And you, even just the other day, I thought I could smell smoke in the air here. <laughs> there is a little bit of faintness to that because that's from the western fires. Look how, that's, sure. that's how far it reaches. But out west, if you can think on that during the show, out west is where we are not properly at all. No. Out here in the eastern part, southeast, they are. And fire problems, when you think as a person, when you hear forest fires, do you think southeast United States, when you hear about forest fires, it pretty much automatically go western. Pretty much the mountains, way out west. Um, with that, they, they, the management's not there. And to manage the forest, we need foresters, we need loggers, and we need places to haul our product and consuming mills. And that's why I'm so thankful that Mike could come on. He's from Wisconsin. His plant, he's a co-owner of the pellet mill in Hayward, Wisconsin. And these are the kind of places that we need. We need places to take our finished product from the woods, too. Because all wealth is only generated from three spots, folks. So I'm going to keep saying that over and over again. Mining, farming, and logging. And if you take one of them out, you will lose all your wealth. Materialistic. But anyway, Mike, are you there? I'm here. Good morning. Great, great. Could you talk to the folks out there a little bit about how you got into logging and then get into the pellet, why you got into pellet? because it's very it's a great story folks i got into logging because i knew i did not want to work indoors so i tried various jobs out of high school um nothing tripped my trigger so i actually started a tree trimming business and that turned into some lake lot owners wanting me to cut some timber on small lake lots and i enjoyed that very much and I could instantly see how it had such a great benefit for wildlife that I sold my tree trimming business to my brother, and I bought some logging equipment and a truck and uh, kind of just went from the ground up. 
So you basically started on a shoestring, Mike. This is Brad Bennett, by the way, the host of the show. You you basically started like so many businesses, really on a on a whim and a shoestring with an idea, and it has grown from there. Um, sounds like you've got a nice thing going with this uh, pellet operation out there now, though. Well, what happened in around the year two thousand, maybe two thousand and two? We created a group, statewide group of loggers got together just to discuss problems and look for solutions and met some really good people that were like-minded, hard workers. But what we saw was our industry, our mills, the end users were starting to slowly go away. So we all thought, well, we all love what we do. I'm a first-generation logger. Most people our second, third, fourth generation loggers, you know, the family's sure. been doing forever. So we just thought for a few months, had some meetings, you know, what could we do? I'm not even quite sure who came up with the pellet idea, but there was a shortage of heating pellets, home heating pellets. The biggest usage was on the East Coast, very small here. We still had a lot of people burning, you know, firewood, hardwood. So we investigated a little deeper, saw that there was definitely a shortage of heating pellets, went to a local bank and for some reason they borrowed us the money we had zero customers when we started of course no advertising budget it was extremely fast out of the gate for a couple of years and then we hit a terrible slowdown i'm still not quite sure how we got through the times we did if it wasn't for the partners i have and everything that they i mean they gave everything to the project to keep it going. Well, Mike, the uh, pellet business right now, there's uh, such a demand for it, I think, because of two things. First of all, the way I look at it, I've got other sponsors on the show. Uh, Well, for example, Duluth Stove and Fireplace, Matt Boo, a lot of their units are pellet-fired stoves, and that has become a huge business especially in colder areas where, yeah, they've got a forced air heating system, but they also want something ornamental, something that they can sit around at night, read a book, talk to the kids, pet the dog. And you're seeing more and more of these wood pellet burning units in living rooms, yes, but also in bedrooms even because of the convenience and the the just the... Uh, idea of having that extra unit available and so that has grown largely but also now in the uh, barbecue area a lot of people have found the pellet burning units uh, are very very nice that you can take a whole rack of ribs throw them in in the afternoon set it at a certain device and the the uh, unit will automatically feed pellets into it as needed to keep the heat going So there's a couple of areas that have really become big in your industry, I think. Well, that's correct. When we first started, we were 100% home heating pellets. The freestanding pellet stoves, they have glass fronts, so you can see the fire, so it's actually like a fireplace. Um, What you've done is you basically eliminated the inefficiencies of burning wood. Electronic controlled heat, the pellets are all the same content, so that you don't deviate your heat needs. You know, it's once you set it, you're good. You don't have the mess to clean up. 
But what happens, we got a foothold in the industry where we had a big demand for heating pellets. Natural gas, oil was high. And it seems like whenever a renewable energy product starts taking off and gets a foothold, what happens? The gas price drops. Sure, sure. So people had switched from people just quit buying pellets. So we went down to, you know, not being able to produce to produce enough to having 10, 15,000 tons per year extra looking to where do we go? Where do we go? Sure. So we started branching out into other types of pellets. We've done many things. We've made animal bedding, kitty litter, a product called Absorb uh, that's used for industrial spills. Definitely, um, we are headed towards more barbecue grilling pellets, uh, big demand worldwide for that. So we're very happy with the direction we're headed now. I have a question for Pete Woods. Pete, has this concept of the pelletization, is that something that loggers in northern Minnesota have looked at a little bit too, or are they involved in that at all? Uh, the loggers, in our, no, not on that. They're, remember a few months ago, North Star Pellet, they're trying to get a pellet place going over the Bemidji area. Right, uh, right. Where they would take wood waste as well as wood from loggers over there. That That uh, is still, they're still trying to do that. There's There's some movement on it, but right now it's not moving much. I'm hoping that something would take place there because that would help out the area. If we get uh, a couple of places like a pellet place and also a, a bio-crude place, it would really, really tremendously help out the area. And it could be duplicated anywhere in the country. Location and logistics is so important for these type of situations, like where Mike is at over there, uh, to haul it to an ocean-going vessel would be a long, long haul, just like the one in Bemidji, because most of your pellet places are on the coast. By the farthest I know of one coming up the Mississippi River is, I think, Baton Rouge, where the ocean-going vessels stop. So it becomes a little bit of an issue on the transportation because the Asian market supposedly is one of the big markets that is that is really in desire. And also, I think the U.K. is also a big customer, I think. Oh, okay. So they're using a lot of pellets there, I would imagine, for heating and cooking and all of that kind of stuff. Right, well, right. Yep. And uh, I don't think, Mike, you don't haul them that far out, do you? Or where does your products mostly go to? Well, we were the biggest user in the UK is Drax. It's a it's a huge power plant. Most of all of the big mills in our south southeast all are either owned by them or they have direct contracts with them. They fill ships full of pellets. We were contacted many years ago to do that to fill ships in the port in Duluth. Um, but the Great Lakes ships can only fill half full because they can't get books and such. So it, it never panned out where, you know, they couldn't pay us what we needed. We couldn't do it for as little as they could pay. So it never worked out for us. Um, we actually did buy sawdust and chips from the Bemidji mill up there for a few years. But like Peter said, it was so far to go that trucking sure. just didn't work. And we worked with Bemidji for a couple of years to try to get something going up there, um, and it just didn't work out either. Take us with you on your mobile. And listen all day work with the free WDSM radio app. Giant Redwood, the larch, the fir, the mighty Scotch pine, the smell of fresh-cut timber. 
the crash of mighty trees. With my best girl by my side, we'd sing, sing, sing. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. He's a lumberjack and he's okay. He sleeps all night and he works all day. I cut down trees, I eat my lunch, I go to the laboratory. And I go to the laboratory. <laughs> Pete Woods. Pete Woods, every time I hear that song, I got a smile because I remember the first time you heard it when Kenny put it on live on your show. It uh, it brought a it brought a huge chuckle. <laughs> it's it still does today. I mean, you hear it every time, and I still smile and laugh. I don't know what it is. Oh yeah. <laughs> See, guys, uh, guys, Mike and Pete both. I I just got an email from one of our listeners that said another whole market for wood pellets that is really just starting is people that ice fish. And that camp and that like to go camping in the winter months uh, in the, in northern uh, climes. Evidently, there has been a whole new series of tent heating units that are put out that are small little heating units where it makes sense that if you're going to go out to a lake, let's say, and spend a couple of days ice fishing, you bring your little heater for your tent and with it, maybe a, a small box or a small bag of pellets and it's enough to heat it during that whole period of time. Have you seen any increases in the market demand for stuff like that? Um, the only okay. thing I've heard is a friend of mine, they hunt in the mountains in Montana. They're from Montana, and his mother has had one of those, and they heat their hunting tent with that for years. I've never seen yeah. any around. So I'm not sure exactly how they work. There's no electricity needed for that unit. No. Yeah, it, uh, it's self-contained. It's a small unit, has a little, uh, like a little auger that feeds the uh, pellets into it. In other words, you can set it up in your tent, go away hunting the whole day or go away fishing the whole day, and it will just, the auger will work regularly to keep your tent uh, nice, toasty, warm. So when you return, you don't have to be frozen for an hour while you're trying to start a fire. Well, correct. That's yeah, and I'm not sure if it's a battery-operated unit. I'm not sure how the auger works, and if it's a radiant heat or if there's a small fan. Um, there are small fans that work just off of of uh, radiant heat that create the fan to turn. So I'm not sure how that works. Well, Pete, I have a question for you. Everybody in the Northland has been concerned about the closing of uh, Versa Mill out in West Duluth. What's the latest on that? Is there any, have you heard any rumblings of hope for the future? Is there, we, we've talked about, in fact, I talked uh, the other day to one of uh, Donald or one of uh, Donald Trump's uh, lead people about the, uh, you know, that this would be a great way for the Trump administration to come in and change the focus of that mill to something uh, maybe in related to fighting the pandemic, uh, whether it be toilet paper use or masks or something else. Have you heard any rumors about the potential reuse of that mill out in West Duluth? Uh, yes, I've heard rumors, but uh, some I can't say and some I don't. It's kind of like one of those things I hear for rumors, and I always call them feel-good rumors. You feel good about hearing the rumor. You think, oh, it's gonna, something's going to happen. Nobody's yeah. come seriously forward with authority to say that this is what's going on. 
Nobis comes forward seriously with enough money to do anything. Uh, the mill is still all completely there. They still have wood there. There's some wood that is leaving a little bit. But the, the best, I might get myself in trouble here a little bit, but uh, so what? Anyway, right. but the biggest, the best rumor I've heard, okay, is that Amazon is looking at the place, okay? Really? And they would take they would take it and they would uh, try and probably look at turning it into brown paper, heavy, only brown paper, which sure. in return, folks, that will help the recycling paper because they grab it from all over the upper Midwest and would bring it here. The downside is I don't think they need any roundwood for that, okay? And so... Oh. So what did they use? Mostly recycled cardboards and things like that to make brown paper? I'm not really positive on that because I'm the outside just listening in, but it used all kinds of paper because it doesn't matter if it's really clean, clear. It's just going to be brown paper, and okay. it, 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 it can be used many, many different ways. So they can use... I take it as cardboard regular paper newsprint magazines all that and they just blend it up but i maybe some it'd be nice if i could find somebody that used to work at the mill that could actually come on and talk about how it is actually done i will try and do something about that in the very near future if i can but that's the best i can tell you but nobody's come forward that has actual authority to say anything on it but it, it it would be a good fit for somebody like amazon because they send a horrendous amount of uh, cardboard boxes out through. Look at shipping. UPS people, I talked to them, FedEx, and they say they're as busy as ever. They said it's worse than Christmas time. You'll see them driving their personal vehicles, delivering packages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking with the brown. When you said brown paper, immediately is Amazon shipping their stuff all over the world, and it's going to get bigger and bigger, is getting bigger and bigger. Listen, we've got to take our Fox News break at the bottom of the hour, but maybe that both of you could think a little bit while we're away on this break of where do you see the future of logging in, in the next few years uh, as we come back into the marketplace? Does it look good? Does it look questionable? Uh, but maybe we'll talk a little bit about the future when we come back. Uh, yes, we, uh, Peter, we can't get away uh, on, so- on Let the Sawdust Fly without having a little woodchopper's ball music coming in as well. <laughs> yeah, always another, that's another one that Kenny picked. It's pretty good, pretty good. Pretty, just pretty smiles, good stuff. Just smiles, yeah. But, uh, 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 Brad, real quick, there's people that are asking Kenny about firewood and that. And how yes, on yes. That. Um, I'm not going to give out my number at all, but what you can do in Minnesota, you could uh, give Scott Dane a call and he could direct you wherever you live. He could probably find a logger somewhere close that may have some or tell you some numbers, but give him a call, 218-780-5927, 780-5927, and he probably could get you in contact with some logger in Minnesota that has firewood because right now, with the uh, Versal plant going out of business in Wisconsin Rapids, a lot of birch maple went down there. And now there'll be loggers without a home for some of that a bit. So sure. it'd be something that you could look at in Wisconsin. You could go online to Great Lakes Timber Producers, and Henry might be able to help you out there if you want. 
But uh, I, I, I want to hit on something that Mike had said earlier before we lose it, is uh, the big, the big holdup with uh, the pellet ships coming to the Duluth and Superior Harbor. Mike, didn't you say about the Sioux Locks or something like that, that they can't handle the big full loads? Is that what you said? That is correct. Um, they call them Lakers, the ships that come into Duluth. Um, so what we were going to have to do is we were going to fill them half full. Then they were going to go east, go out, and then wherever the last lock is, we were trying to coordinate with a mill on the east coast to fill them the rest of the way to shift them out. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that the, the money, it just didn't work. The money thing didn't work because in the southeast, they can fill the ships right on the Mississippi, you know, right at the mill. The mills are right at the dock, so there's no handling where we would have to truck them to Duluth put them up in a silo, you know, and, and it, the money didn't work out. No, too much handling and too many small moves, and it, you, you lose it because you're competing where guys have big volumes going right in the ship right there. You'll never beat that. you got to get the ship right next to the plant, kind of. Sure. That, you know. that, and, and when we built, we were designed basically just to truck our finished product no more than 200 miles, or else you couldn't you couldn't compete with natural gas or, or anything if you do anything farther than that. Well, Mike, your pellet business now over there in Wisconsin, is it pretty much back to full operation? Are you about uh, about as busy as you want to be or need to be? Um, we're very lucky. We were right away off forestry was considered essential because, like Peter said earlier, you know, there's only three places you can get true wealth, and that is, you know, from the forest or from the uh, the ground mining. And I forget what the other one was, but so we were essential. We never stopped. Um, we're going as fast as we can. Uh, we wish we could hire more employees, but that's a little bit hard to do. Sure. Uh, so we we've actually installed the robot about a year ago in our bagging system. And we're looking to expand on that a little bit now to help with some of our uh, employment needs. Okay, so you remotely, so you use some robotic systems to to uh, bag up your product, your your pellets and stuff. Now that's so you've automized uh, automized the plant pretty good. I uh, guess we did, and that actually was built in Minnesota. Um, so I believe in the Twin Cities area. I'm not exactly sure where. What, it's a stacker, so it, it um, takes the bag, stacks it on the pallet, so it eliminates, okay. eliminates one person in our system. Uh, our, our other employees like it because he's never late and he never complains, and he'll work through his break every day, no problem. Fantastic. Well, I did want to put the word out here, and we haven't done this for a while, Peter, but during the month, if there are people that have questions that they would like asked of Pete Woods uh, or about logging in general, please don't be uh, don't be shy to send me an email. Just send it to Brad Period Bennett at mwcradio.com, and I will pass it along during the segment. Uh, with Pete on Let the Sawdust Fly. Anything that you might have as far as a question about wood products in uh, northern Minnesota or in Minnesota in general or even in the region in general. 
But Pete, we've come to that time that we need to ask you now. You were going to talk a little bit about your partner and what he's doing out uh, in Washington right now during the convention and uh, and what's yep. happening politically in the area. Yep. If uh, if anybody has back on what Brad was saying, if anybody has questions, uh, even across the country, uh, let Brad give Brad a note on it, and then if I can't answer it, I'll definitely find out where we can get the answer for you out there because. There's folks listening in other states. I got a, I want to shout out to a logger in Virginia who sent an email to me saying he's listening out there on a regular basis, and he thumbs up. And I'd like to tell other people, great, thank you very much that you're willing to listen, because the more we can spread the news about why the timber industry is so critical to manage yes. the forest, without it, that's what happens out west. But really quick, I don't talk politics when I'm on. So this, I, I did I want to say too much on it, but it's pretty important. That's why I want to bring it up. Is Scott Dane was invited to go out and speak at the RNC. Um, it's supposed to air tonight. I'm not sure, 8.30, 9 o'clock or something like that. Where okay. he gets, he's going to speak about probably three minutes. And when you get that kind of opportunity, you know, you got to grab it. And uh, he was invited by the Trump administration through Dr. Peter Navarro's office. And so he went out there, and I don't know if it's taped or if it's live, but he's going to be on tonight. It's probably going to be around three minutes. And so he's, that's a golden opportunity to talk about the timber industry to me. And it's fantastic that we can have somebody go there, at least one person, you know. Oh, absolutely. You know, anytime you can get exposure for the uh, for the wood industry in northern Minnesota, that's a plus. Um are you involved at all in this event that's going to be happening Friday at the port terminal where uh, the vice president is coming to town? Um, I'm not involved as far as putting it on, but I've been invited more yes. more than one way, I guess you could say. And and uh, the family, I think, wants to go, and it's one of those things. It's like it's going to be limited, and so yes. you want other people to have the opportunity to go. So looks like I might be going because the family wants to go. Good. <laughs> well, I, I, I think again, Peter. Anytime you can rub elbows with a lot of people in the economic development area, and and Pence will have all those people with him when he's here. Uh, that's that's plus things. Yes, it's no matter what the administration is. If you get the opportunity to talk to them, you want to grab it. You want to talk to them. You want to explain it because it's like a lot of folks out there. They don't know what really goes on in the timber industry. And that's why I was trying to make the analogy about out west and out east, that you can, if you really want to look, you can really find the answers about truth in life. And sure. what's happening out west, I can't stress that enough, this is oh. what happens when you don't manage your forest. Yes. It gets out of hand, and you think, well, I'm far enough away. You can get serious illnesses from all that smoke coming at you because it's putting so much in the air, whereas if we manage them, you're not gonna. You're not gonna eliminate all of it. It's kind of like folks. When you leave your house, do you lock your door? You lock your door. Most probably everybody does. But why? Your chance of you somebody coming robbing your house is pretty slim. Why? Why lock it? Don't do it. Just leave it unlocked. And the chance of somebody coming robbing is pretty low. Well, the timber industry is. It's pretty low that you're gonna have a fire. But if we manage it and keep harvesting and doing proper jobs we will eliminate that risk very greatly like the robber coming in. Well, and like you said, uh, 
like you said, Pete, uh, they have not managed in California and areas out there, they have not managed the forest industry very well at all. And you're seeing the negative impact of that right now with some of the worst fires they've ever had on the, in the uh, West Coast. Pete yeah. Woods, I want to I say thank you again to Pete Woods, the host of, uh, of Let the Sawdust Fly. And Mike Severson, thank you so much for joining us this morning on this segment. We look forward to it again next uh, next month, uh, Peter. And sooner or later, you're going to be able to get back in the studio <laughs> whenever this <laughs> pandemic lets loose. <laughs> I'd like to come in someday, sir, again, but we'll, uh, that's up to management. But till then, we'll just keep coming from uh, wherever I'm at. I can't reveal it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it very much. And we got to take a break. We'll be back.